If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel of Luke. We will be in Luke chapter 10, and we will finish uh, the chapter out. We're going, to be, we're going to pick up in verse 38, which is very near the end of the chapter. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And I've titled my sermon today, Be a Good Listener. Be a good listener. Now, this is not going to be a sermon about felt needs. It's not going to be a sermon about how, uh, how we need to be active in our listening and, and different strategies for uh, listening well. I'm not going to talk about how uh, husbands should listen to their wives better, wives should listen to their husbands better, kids should listen to their parents better. I'm not going to talk about any of that, though all those things are, are important and uh, it may be needful. But that's not what the text is about today. Um, instead, we're going to look at the need to listen to the Lord and not just to work for Him. Now, while it, it may not appear this way, just at, at, at kind of first glance, I guess you'd say, I believe that this text is really a sister text to the one we looked at last time. Now, you might remember last time we looked at the parable starting in verse, um, in verse 30, really, is, is the parable of the good or the compassionate Samaritan. Our text today is a sister text, and it presents a sister virtue, I guess you'd say. And you remember that in the story of the compassionate Samaritan, it emphasized the one-on-one nature of the Christian life. We are called to be good neighbors to those that God places in our path. And, uh, and you remember that, that the, the point of that story that Jesus told was not just to tell us that we should be a good neighbor, but rather he was telling it in a, a sense of personal evangelism, you might say, because a lawyer had stood up trying to justify himself and said, and who is my neighbor? He wanted, wanted Jesus to narrow this down because he thought he was fulfilling the law of loving God and loving his neighbor. And so Jesus told this story to show this man, no, you're not keeping the law. You're not fulfilling this, this command to love the neighbor. And it was a way to draw him and, and drive him to see the need for a savior. Now today our text is going to emphasize something a little bit different. It's not going to focus on the activity of the Christian life where that is that activity is is related primarily on the horizontal in the way we interact with people but rather this is going to talk about our vertical relationship with God. And I believe as we look at our calendars and we think about what this text has to say to us about priorities and things like that I think it, it has some hard things to to share with us today. So if you're able and you've found it, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. We'll pick up in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 and read down to the end of the chapter. It says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today is that Jesus had entered a home that loved the Lord. This was a home that loved the Lord. Now, if you look back at verse 38, Jesus and his disciples are traveling. Now, we don't know exactly. Um, it's, it's likely that, uh, that Luke is not telling this story in chronological order here. But we know that this is near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to suffer and, and, and die on the cross and on the third day be, uh, be raised from the dead. Now, it's, it, it's, it's quite possible that this is not... Um, it, 
well, we'll not get into all the details, but, but it's likely that he's not telling this in exactly chronological order, though it's a, a true account. But this is a home in the town of Bethany. Now, Bethany was about two miles, it's a little village, about two miles east of Jerusalem. And so um, there's a home with three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, this is the same Lazarus that in John chapter 11, Jesus raised from the dead. You remember, that's the one that, that, uh, that, that the Bible tells us that, that they sent word to Jesus, Lazarus is sick, and he waited four days, and, and we know the story. So that is this home. And, and if you look at your text in verse uh, 38, it said that this woman, Martha, welcomed, received, extended warm hospitality. She opened the doors of her home to Jesus and his disciples. Now, uh, now you'll notice it says that she opened the door to her home, not their home. Evidently, she is the lady of the house. And there's never a husband mentioned, so it's quite possible that this is a widow and her two siblings, uh, Martha, or sorry, Mary and Lazarus, live with her. Now, I can't prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I suspect she's the firstborn. Who here's the firstborn? Here we got, you got a few. Now, the firstborns typically, and this isn't always the case, but it seems like they're often the, the go-getters. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're the ones who are, who are taking care of business. If there are other folks, uh, many times they have like a, a mother hen, a caring type of, of uh, personality because they want to take care of, they're, they're used to taking care of younger siblings. And then the middle child, of course, we all know the middle child syndrome. Anybody a middle? Okay, you, you know the one. Uh, oh, that everybody knows my, my older sibling. Everybody knows my younger sibling, who's the, who's the clown of the family. And, and I'm just stuck in the middle. And it seems to me, and, and again, I don't know, and it doesn't really matter spiritually, I don't guess. I think Martha was probably the firstborn. I think Mary is, her, is the middle. And I think Lazarus is the baby. He's the one that they all took care of. Now, again, it, it doesn't really matter, but, but, but we do know that whatever uh, birth order she's in, she's the one that's always up moving. She's always the one that's serving. She's always the one that's taking care of people, that's, uh, that's getting stuff done. And her sister's name is Mary. Now, that's a popular name. There are all kinds of Marys in the Bible because Mary is a form of Miriam, who is Moses' sister. So this is a very common name. Um, and it's interesting because if you look at what it says, it says that... that um, she, every time you see her interact with Jesus, she's always at his feet. Now, I think that's interesting here. She's sitting at his feet listening. In another account, she anoints his feet. In another account, in John chapter 11, she falls at Jesus' feet. And it's a powerful picture because in that day and time, if somebody was learning from a rabbi who was the teacher, they would sometimes physically sit at their feet, but they, were, they would be termed as being at the feet of this rabbi. So in, in Acts chapter 22 and verse 3, uh, Paul talks about being brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. And so she, she's not just sitting there playing tiddlywinks. She wasn't sitting there being indolent. The Bible says she's not being lazy. She's listening. She's hearing what Jesus is talking about. She was active in her listening. She was soaking it all in. She was taking in what Jesus was teaching. And then there was Lazarus. He doesn't make an appearance here. But John chapter 11 says... Uh, Mary and Martha send words to Jesus and say, the one whom you love is sick. So Jesus had a strong affection for this family. They, he, he spent time there. And, and, and so just, just picture this in your mind. We have this, this home. It's probably pretty small, especially by today's standards. And they have three people that are there all the time. And then at least an additional 13 people show up. Jesus and his 12 disciples. And possibly others come along as well. So you, you just imagine having 15 plus people in your house. 
How would you feel about that? And some of you may would love it. Some of you is probably giving uh, hives to just thinking about it. So, so, so here's the matron of the house, the matron of the family. She has the responsibility primarily, the, the primary responsibility of washing the disciples' feet, of the, the guests' feet, of preparing the meal, taking, making sure everybody's comfortable and so forth. And that would primarily fall on Martha. But you know how it is if there are a lot of people that come over to the house, everybody has to pitch in and help, don't they? And, and, and maybe you've had this, maybe, maybe it's, uh, well, maybe you don't. Maybe your house is always spotless. But maybe, maybe when you're growing up, somebody be coming over, and it's like, it's, it, it's all hands on deck. You, sweep the floor. You, do the dishes. You, pick up the trash. You know, and, and everybody's doing, go clean your room. Go mow the yard. I mean, everybody's doing something. And so that's what, just think, that's what it would have been like in Martha's home. Everybody should have been pitching in to help. The problem is not everybody was pitching in to help because here's Mary just sitting at Jesus' feet. And you'll notice the contrast. Look at verse 40. It says, Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, but Martha was distracted. And it's not that she was sitting at his feet and her mind was somewhere else. Mary was sitting there intently listening to every word, but Martha was distracted. The idea of, of the word that's translated as distracted has the idea of, of being dragged about. Her attention should have been centered on Jesus, and instead she's, she's getting dragged about by all of her preparations. Now, does anybody here get stressed when you got a lot of, like a lot of people coming over or something? It, it's, it, it's, not, it's not fun at the Braddock house. I'll, I'll put it that way. And so, you know, and even if it's not, even, even if your thing isn't when people come over, I mean, when you're distracted, you've got all kinds of things pulling in different directions. And, and, and what do you do? You, 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 you're working, you're running around, you make a mental checklist. I've noticed my checklist will have certain things to just miss, show up missing. And then later, maybe I'll remember it. And it's like, oh, no, why didn't I do that? We had the mental checklist. And as you're working your way down that checklist, you're marking things off and putting new stuff down at the bottom that you remember. And, and, and you're stressed. You're irritable because you're doing all this. You're overwhelmed. You're sweating. And then you look over and you see your sister sitting there not doing it. That is where Martha is at. How does that matter? That, that's how Martha is feeling. And so she has a brilliant solution. She has a subtle plan. I'm going to tell. I'm telling on you, Mary. So she goes to Jesus. She comes to him and says, Don't you care that this is happening? That's the same question the disciples asked. Don't you care that we're drowning? That the ship is sinking? And to ask the question is to answer it. Don't you care? My sisters left me to do everything, all the serving, alone. What's, what's she saying? That's not fair. And what is Jesus' response? Well, we don't know. But evidently, it was, it was, he, he was sympathetic. Now, now this, we don't really pick this up in, in the English, but the implication because from the tenses of the words that are used in Mary's words, or in Martha's words, indicate that quite possibly Mary was helping, but she left the helping. She was working with Martha, but then she left when Jesus showed up and went and sat down. So you can imagine Martha's, Martha's cooking. Hey, Mary, would you hand me that spoon? Mary? Where's Mary at? And then you hear Mary in the living room talking to Jesus. So, 
so she is she's miffed. And and and, and however it is, she's she's left Martha flying solo for fifteen plus people. And again, we don't have Jesus' answer recorded here. But but if you'll look at what it says, um, uh, look at look at verse forty there at the end. Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to do all the serving alone? And the the answer is evidently an affirmative one because she says, "Then, therefore, because you feel this way, tell her to get off her off her fanny and help me." Now that's my exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying. You know she was frustrated. She's angry. Get up and tell her to get up and help. So here we see two choices that are being made. Now for some of us, and I'm not going to ask for hands, some of us will amen Martha, won't we? We say, amen sister, you tell that Mary to get up and get busy. Tell her to pitch in and help. She needs to get some elbow grease going. She needs to be mopping the floor. She needs to be helping you with the food. She needs to get up and do something. Now, to be fair, to be fair, it's not like Martha was doing bad and Mary was doing good. It's Martha was doing good, Mary was doing better. Because Martha is providing for Jesus and his companions. And since the provision fell to her, listen, if she didn't do it, nobody was eating. So this is an important thing because Jesus has been traveling. And so it's, it's a necessary thing to be providing those things. Her issue isn't that she was preparing. It appears that her fault lay in preparing too much. She wanted to be extravagant, not in some sort of self-serving, gaudy, hey, look at me, look how good I am type of way. But rather, she loves Jesus so much, she wanted the best for him. She wanted to get out the china. She wanted to make, she didn't want to just make a, a, a main dish. She wanted to make a main dish and a couple sides. And she wanted to have a salad. And she wanted to have, you know, lemonade and tea. And not just tea, but sweet tea and unsweet tea. And she wanted to have water, you know. And she just wanted to have all these things because she's trying to do her best for Jesus. And that's an admirable thing, doing your best for Jesus. It was a heart of love and devotion. But Jesus says there's something more important. Now, others of us, we want to amen Mary. And we want to say, of course. That's the most important thing. Martha, you need to chill it out. You need to come sit down by Mary. You're too busy. You're, you're all this activity. It's making me tired just watching you. And, and, and again, I want you to notice it's not good versus bad in the choice that was made. It was good and, and better. Now, finally, I want you to see Jesus' response. I just want to draw out a couple lessons out of this text that I think will, will apply to each of us. First, I want you to notice that Jesus acknowledged and pointed out Martha was worried about a lot of stuff. Look at verse 41. Now, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Now, that word worried is the same one that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, don't worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink. It's the same idea when Paul says, be anxious for nothing. The message of the Bible is that Christians should not be anxious people. We should not be worried. We should not be wringing our hands. We should not be filled with anxiety because we know God will take care of us. And, and so, so this worry is an inward state of affairs. But he doesn't just say you're worried. He also says you're bothered. 
you're bothered. Your Bible may say cumbered. He's not talking about a cucumber. He's talking about encumbered. It's an outward state of affairs. All the activity, all the hustle and bustle, all the moving from here to there, and, and, and she's disquieted both inside and out. And she's like this about many things. And I just wonder as we apply this to ourselves, does that sound like you today? Are you disquieted inwardly and outwardly? Are you anxious? Are you cumbered with the load of cares, as the old song says? What does Jesus say? He says, you're getting pulled in all these different directions. You're going here and there, and you're trying to take care of things, and that's good, but only one thing is necessary. One thing is absolutely necessary to life, and that's not just doing the commands of God, but also knowing the commands of God, of listening to Jesus, of spending time with God in prayer and Bible study as, as we have it today. That is what is necessary for eternal life. That is necessary as we continue our Christian life. Now we've already seen in our, in our study of Luke that people cannot know God apart from His revelation of Himself to them. And the place that He reveals Himself to people is through Jesus as recorded in Scripture. That's where we have the words of life. It's here that we read about Christ and His teachings and His death and His burial and re resurrection and, and how the gospel impacts each and every part of life. And listen, people will not come to faith in Him unless they hear, unless they hear the gospel, unless they listen to these things. And the gospel is that, that, that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. We can't please God on our own. And the, and the problem is we're powerless to change it on our own. But the good news of the gospel is that Christ came to save sinners. He came and offered himself on the cross that if we would put our faith in him, that he will, he will bring us spiritual life. The Bible terms it in, in, in terms of the heart. He says The Bible says he'll take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. The Bible says that he will reconcile us to the Father. And if you will put your faith in him for the forgiveness of sins, you will be saved. It's not, by, it's not by keeping the, the law. It's not by doing all these good works. It's not by doing like Martha and, and serving and, and, and doing all this stuff because you're not going to earn your way to heaven. The second lesson this has for us is, is listen, I, we, we can spend so much time doing things for the Lord that we fail to spend time with the Lord. We can spend so much time doing things for the Lord, we fail to spend time with the Lord. And what, what can happen is the stuff that we're doing is good, and it's right. It may even be a command of Scripture, but we do it so, it, it just becomes busy work. You remember busy work in school? Maybe your boss gives you busy work now. And, and it's, just, it's just activity. And you can do that. Listen, you can prepare a sermon without ever praying. It can happen. You can teach a, you can teach a Sunday school lesson without praying. You can witness and never pray. Martha was so busy preparing for her guests, including Jesus, she didn't spend any time with them. She, she couldn't enjoy the, the, the fellowship. Said another way, activity is no substitute for attentiveness. Activity is no substitute for attentiveness. And, and we, can, we can do the same thing. We can get so wrapped up in church activities of, of serving being in a ministry in some way, that we can fail to take time to read our Bibles, that we will we'll fail to even pray. 
to have that communion and fellowship with the Savior. Number three, third lesson. Martha let care for others crowd out spiritual opportunity. Martha let care for others crowd out spiritual opportunity. Now listen, there, there are men and women who have let their jobs crowd out their faith. Now I know that, that sometimes, for instance, a, a work schedule will prevent somebody from coming to church each Sunday. Sometimes it can't be helped. Sometimes emergencies come up at work or whatever it is, and, and sometimes those things happen. But how many times do people push aside their faith? They'll push aside church attendance. They'll push aside whatever it is, because, and they'll do it under the guise of caring for their family. The fourth lesson, we have five. Number four, the seriousness of an issue is not based on the amount of concern you have for it. The seriousness of an issue is not based on the amount of concern you have about it. And what I mean is sometimes we stress and we fret and we worry and we, we get lines on our face and we wring our hands and we lose sleep and all these things because we're worried, we're anxious, we have anxiety, it, 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 it keeps us up at night, we, we can't enjoy life because we're, we're so focused on this thing. And we think that because we're so focused on it that our anxiety equals its weight or its importance. But Martha was anxious and she was bothered about a whole bunch of stuff. And what did Jesus say? There's only one thing you need to be focused on. There's only one thing that should be your focus, and that's Him and His teachings. And number five, we see it in, in His lesson, or in, in His answer here, verse 42. Mary chose the better part. Mary chose the better part. There were two meals going on. One, Martha was preparing. Two, the one that Mary was taking part in. She was having spiritual food. She, she was having a banquet. Martha came in, told Jesus what he needed to say, and Mary was listening to what Jesus wanted to say. I don't remember who was that pointed that out, but I thought, man, that's, a, that's brilliant. That's exactly what's happening. Martha comes in, Lord, tell her to, to, to help. And Mary says, you just tell me what you want me to hear. Listen. The parable of the Good Samaritan shows us that activity of labor, of work, of help, of service, those are important. They are a vital part of our faith. But sitting and listening and learning is essential as well. And the Bible calls us to quiet learning as well as active serving. Now, as much as some of us would have liked to, for, for him to have done so, Jesus was not condemning housework. What he's telling us is we need to have some right priorities. Is housework important? Sure. Is caring for your family important? Of course. Is service, providing for others, is that important? Absolutely. But listen, if that's all we do, we are failing to do all of our Christian duty. We need to take advantage of spiritual opportunities because that's important as well. In fact, Jesus says that's the more important thing. Because when, and, and what happens is when we do those things, when we listen to Jesus and, and we hear his commands, then the goal is we go out and live them. We put them into practice. And the question I want you to answer 
for yourself is which one of these ladies are you most like? Because whichever it is, are you more like Martha? You're always up, you're always going. Or are you more like Mary? You're just, okay, it's, I, I know it needs done, but I just want to sit here and soak it all in. Which one of those is more like you? Because whichever it is, you probably need to be more like the other one. Because we tend to go to, to one extreme or the other. We, we just want to we, we sit on the premises instead of staying on the promises. Or we want to be, we want to be serving, and if, if, if we're not getting it done, it's not, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And we don't take time to, to, to meditate on the scriptures, to, to have that intake and that fellowship. So, so which one of those are you more like? Because you probably need to be more like the other a little bit, at the very least. Listen, activity is important, but it's no substitute for spending time with the Lord. Why don't you stand with me as uh, musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. just in the quiet of this time, I want to encourage you to examine your own heart. Are you more like Mary? What some people called contemplative. You ruminate, you meditate on the scriptures. Are you more like Martha? Always active, always going, serving. Both of those things are necessary. The Bible says we're not to be hearers of the word only, but doers as well. But your activity cannot substitute, cannot take the place of time spent with the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are uh, grateful and, and yet convicted that you call us to both of these things. And it's, it's, it's a hard balancing act, and we know that, God. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with us as we, um, as we try and strike that balance of spending time with you being time in your word and prayer but also of service loving service and God I pray that if there's somebody here who needs to make a, a lifestyle adjustment to, uh, to fix their priorities I, I pray that you'd help each, each of us to do that and God I pray that um, I pray if there's somebody maybe who's never accepted Christ as their savior that you would draw them to yourself. Let them know that they cannot uh, do enough activity to get to heaven. They can't earn their way. They can't uh, uh, argue their way into heaven. They have to cast themselves wholly on your grace and your mercy. And I pray that you'd help them to do that today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.